Ryder and Nystrom. Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm -hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. Your host, as always. This is episode number 46. I can't believe it. I, I think I said something in the last episode when it was episode number 45. Just the fact that I've done 46 episodes. The fact that uh, you people out there are listening and you come back. It's just... Uh, it, it, I, I say it all the time. I hope you don't get sick of me saying it, but it really is humbling. I, I can't say that enough. You know, honestly, when I first started, I didn't know um, how long I would do this for. I mean, I guess that was determined by uh, the feedback that I received from people, uh, either by email, social media, uh, text in some cases or whatever. But uh, um, I, I really have fun doing this. And uh, when I make my little graphics for social media, uh, as I was making the one for tonight's episode, and I wrote episode forty-six. It's, I, I know we're, we tend to get bogged down with the round numbers, and even I said to myself, "Geez, it's going to be fifty episodes in a couple of weeks." And um, that to me, that's just a you know, it's a milestone for me. Obviously, it's a milestone for anybody. But, uh, you know, for myself, I, I don't have a, a big setup here. I know there's a lot of people that invest hundreds of dollars and maybe thousands of dollars in, uh, in a setup for their podcast, for their show. And uh, I'm liter literally still here on my uh, laptop and my $20 gamer headset. So um, I, I don't, I'm humbled to be at episode 46 and I'm... Uh, really humbled that uh that you people keep listening so uh so thank you very much so um this is like i said episode 46 and this is the latest installment in my seasons series and i say that slow because if i uh, say it at regular speed i'll probably butcher it but uh another episode here where i, I highlight the uh, fights of a particular player from a particular season and today as I said, the latest installment of Seasons in Review. I'm going to look at the season of Brett Gallant, the season that he had in 2014-15 while he was a member of the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Uh, if you've never seen Brett Gallant fight, I, I know there's some people that li uh, listen to the show that are strictly Islanders fans and they don't focus too much on the minors. And uh, if that's the case, you've only seen uh, a taste of, of what Brett Gallant is capable of. Um, I'm a big fan of minor league hockey. I, I have been since uh, the mid to late 80s. Uh, I've, I've talked about that before uh, when I had John Forslund on, I, I think with the advent of the show Ringside, uh, it 
put faces to some of the names that I would read about in hockey news. And uh, I really, my love for minor league hockey just really grew from there. And um, the fact that you get some guys down in the minors that never get a chance in the NHL. Um, and the fact, to be honest with you, uh, and I'm sure everyone listening to this show will agree, just the fact that there were times where it was pretty violent down in the minors. And, uh, you know, for uh, fans like myself, that was always pretty entertaining. So over the years, obviously, you watch hundreds of guys and, and maybe thousands of guys uh, that that do the job, do the enforcer role. And I'm sure I'm like everyone else. I have my Mount Rushmore of uh, minor league enforcers. And um, it was pretty solid for a while. And, and I haven't removed anybody. But as the years have come and gone, there have been players that really could make a case to get on my Mount Rushmore. But never, never had I considered actually trying to replace someone on that Mount Rushmore. Well, I, I mean, I've watched Brett Gallant and what he's done and uh, really specifically what he's done with Bridgeport. And that guy, oh my God, that guy is an absolute killer. I mean, just, just a savage. And um, I've heard that uh, Brett doesn't do podcasts and, uh, and I think that's unfortunate. Uh, he was on the, uh, the ice guardians documentary. He played a, a prominent role in that. Um, I think that Brett would be a great guest for my show, for anybody's show. And, um, I'm hoping if he hears this, uh, that he would reconsider. I, I really think that, uh, um, Brett doing this show, I could really do his career justice. And when I say I, I mean he could do his career justice by telling us stories about his career. I would just hope I would ask the right questions. But uh, but getting Brett Gallant on the show would be amazing for me. I would uh, I would love to have him on the show. I haven't actually reached out to Brett. I don't think I have anyway. I may have sent him a message on Instagram a long time ago. Um, but I don't think I ever received a reply, which leads me to believe maybe I didn't. And I'm, I've reached out to a few guys on Instagram uh, and Brett may not have been one of them. But I, I certainly plan on on reaching out again because I don't think he's playing anywhere this year. And uh, if you go to Brett's Instagram, you see a lot of fishing things. So uh, good for him. He's just, He seems to be out on the lake a lot um, up in PEI, he catches these amazing fish and um you know, maybe he would uh, change his mind and maybe come on the show. But just in case that I'm not able to ever get Breckel on on the show, uh, I think you people really need to know a little bit more about this guy. And uh, uh, a little bit later, I definitely will delve into his career and especially this season, like I said, 2014-15 with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. So uh, we'll get to that a little bit later, and uh, and I hope you people enjoy it. But as always... First things first, please, um, whatever platform you are listening to the show on, if you could subscribe to the show, like, rate, and review the show. All that stuff goes a long way, helping me build the show, uh, build the empire that I hope is going to take over podcasting one day. Well, no, obviously not. But uh, listen, everybody that does a show wants it to be as big as possible. Um I'm not looking to hang with the big boys, to be honest, uh, you know, probably not in the cards, but I, and, and, and listen, uh, I feel like people that listen to the show, uh, I don't do the numbers, uh, that a lot of other shows do, but I kind of feel like you're all family. So, um, so thank you for listening. As I usually say, if this is your first time, I hope you enjoy the show and I hope you come back. And if you're a returning listener, you're the best.
thank you very much. You really are the engine that makes me run when it comes to doing the show. So thank you very much. So again, whatever platform it is, I know I listen to my stuff on, uh, on Apple, the iTunes and, uh, you hit subscribe. Um, I've actually stopped. I've unsubscribed to a few shows recently and, uh, I subscribed to a, a show that focuses mostly on the American league, uh, the other day. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm most of the time I just keep my shows, uh, subscribed to, if you're not subscribed to this, please do me that favor. And, uh, one of the advantages of being a subscriber is, uh, if the episode comes out on Monday, I usually upload it on Sunday and you'll get it immediately. And for whatever reason, uh, iTunes, um, just the episodes don't seem to be there for non-subscribers till, you know, early to mid afternoon on Mondays. And, not that you're clamoring to get uh, this content any earlier than usual, but hey, if you subscribe, it'll be there for you on Sunday. You have one more week of football, a week from today, which is Sunday. Uh, and then after that, what are you going to do with your Sundays? So you, you tune in to Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. It'll kill anywhere from an hour and a half to three hours. And, uh, you know, just pop it on when you're doing lawn work or or cleaning the house or whatever. Just just do it, fixing your car. So please subscribe, like, rate, and review the show on whichever platform you are listening to the show on. Thank you very much. Uh, social media. Twitter. Twitter seems to be the one I'm most active on. I have two accounts on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at Joe underscore Lozito. And the Twitter for the show is at Kali Sinbin Pod. Um, I, <laughs> follow me, I'll follow you back. It's that simple. Um, the Joe Lozito account that has a little bit of everything on there, you know, mostly nonsense, nothing too serious. Definitely no politics. Uh, who needs that, right? I mean, everyone has their friends who are now political experts for the last five years. Now they're disease experts. You're not going to get any of that on, on my Twitter. And if you follow the Kali Sinbin pod account, that's strictly um, uh, blah, 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 posts related to the uh, podcast. Uh, and what you'll find on there will be uh, Islander Enforcer's birthdays. Uh, I post uh, a lot of my uh, game-worn, game-used gear collection uh, on there, uh, all related to the Islanders. Uh, what else? Just fight pictures, uh, different things. You know, recently I went to the, uh, I posted the top 10 uh, all-time fighting majors leaders in the Sound Tigers history. So it was a little bit of, of everything on that account, the Kali Sinbin pod account, but it's all Islander Enforcer related and Islander affiliates Enforcer related stuff. So if you're a fan of the show, and I hate saying fan of the show, so I'm going to take that back. If you enjoy the program, you'll probably enjoy the Kali Sinbin pod Twitter page. And uh, along the same lines on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast. Same type of stuff is on there. That's on the Kali Sinbin pod. I generally just save the picture posted on Facebook and um, copy and paste whatever I, I uh, posted on Twitter on there. So uh, it's basically the same thing, but I know not everybody is on every platform. And uh, if you're on Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore podcast again same stuff if you like the show chances are you're gonna like the uh social media platforms the footage footage i don't put footage on there i'm not that advanced i'm probably five years away from that but um the material that i put on my social media accounts for the show like i said if you like the show you'll enjoy that 
uh, for instance, yesterday, Saturday, uh, I posted uh, birthday, uh, happy birthdays to Chris Simon and Trevor Gillies. It was both of their birthdays, uh, January 30th. So I uh, posted a picture of each of them and uh, wished them happy birthday. And I did that on all the, the platforms. So uh, that's the kind of information you'll get on there. Nothing, nothing too serious. But again, if you like the if you like the show, you'll like the uh, social media. So definitely uh, check those out. Uh, follow me on all those platforms. I will return the favor in kind. Now, you are thinking to yourself, I need some T-shirts. I need uh, leggings. Uh, I need, uh, we got this baby here. I need a onesie for this baby. I got the stuff for you. Definitely. I have merchandise. Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box merchandise online store is available to you right now 24 hours a day seven days a week teespring.com slash stores slash coliseum hyphen chronicles hyphen merch but don't fret that's a mouthful i know you're there scribbling you're going to try to rewind it and write down that address don't even worry about it i give it to you as a courtesy but scroll down to the description of the episode you are currently listening to there will be a direct link to the store you want to buy yourself a hoodie it's been cold here on long island for a couple of days i think it's probably been cold on the entire east coast we're supposed to get some snow uh no better time to order a hoodie than right now maybe you don't like a hoodie maybe you like to do your hair i have regular sweatshirts too sans hood you don't have to worry about your hair just regular sweatshirt um, what else is on there? Like I said, you got onesies on there for your baby. You got kids t-shirts on there. You got, t- uh, adult t-shirts. You got ladies tank tops in case, you know, people are still going to the gym. You want to show off your arms. You want to show off your back. Let's say got tank tops for men and women on there. I have socks. I have totes. There's plenty of stuff on the Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box merchandise website, plenty of stuff in the store. Please check it out. I'm humbled when someone buys something. It, it truly amazes me. Thank you to everyone who's done so. Now, if you're a returning listener, you know every week I do a discount, a listener-exclusive discount. So the discount code for this week is GALLY, G-A-L-L-Y, an homage to the subject of today's episode, Brett Gallant. So if you use code GALLY, For the next week, you will get 20% off anything in the store. You know you want to. I mean, really, you're thinking about it. You've you've checked the store out before, and you're like, I don't know. Do I really want to order something? Pull the trigger, man. Just just do it. Why not, right? What's the worst case? Ah, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done it. But now you have an awesome T-shirt or you have an awesome sweatshirt. I mean... You won't have buyer's remorse, let's put it that way. I mean, worst case, use it to wash your car. You know, do do people still do that? I remember when I was a kid, my dad and my uncle would wash their cars and then wax them and stuff. I think everyone brings their car places now, but I don't know. But anyway, check it out. Get yourself some merchandise on there. Telling you, you look great in it, but you know that already. When you go to the store, the reason why I get so excited about the merchandise is the logo. Now, the logo was drawn up by famous Long Island artist Joe Marisich. Now, Joe is, I mean, I always say he's extremely talented. I say his hand is touched by God himself. Joe is an amazing artist. He does all kind of art. And um, 
if you're on social media, I'm sure you've seen his tunes. He is a, a fan of the Mets, the Jets, and the Islanders. Uh, he's done a lot of tunes, players on those teams. I think he just became buddies with Steve Cohen, the new owner of the Mets. I saw him doing tunes of uh, Steve Cohen and his family. So uh, Joe's a pretty big deal, okay? And uh, he is insanely talented. So if you want Joe to do some art for you, he is available. You can reach out to Joe at GraphicsJoker on Twitter or at LoudEgg.com. Tell him that Joe from the Coliseum Chronicles podcast sent you. I don't know if that's going to get you anything, but just let him know, you know, that you appreciate his art. I know I do. If I ever had a serious art project, he's the first guy I'm going to. So definitely check out Joe Marisich at GraphicsJoker at no, I did this last week, I think. It's not at loudegg.com. It's loudegg.com. Don't put the at sign there. You'll probably get an error message. Now, the next thing I'm going to tell you, it's very important for me. Every week I tell you to listen to these two shows. And uh, and it's important to me that you do um, because, you know, this with the new season that started, and I'm just reading all over social media, the New Age fans, they don't like fighting and it's offensive to them. And, then then they have guys shooting pucks at each other and that's savage and everything and i don't know i just i just don't know and aside from this show you really should be listening to two other shows first show is a fourth line voice podcast my friend darren based out of saskatoon um darren started this uh he's been doing this a lot longer than i have and um i think his episodes are fantastic he goes uh very in depth and um just if you're not listening to his show, I, I I can't understand why. His latest episode was with Wade Brookbank. You're familiar with Wade Brookbank if you're a fan of the NHL or the American League. Wade's Wade's tough. I mean, real tough. And he comes from a tough family. I think he's had a few brothers that have played uh, NHL or at least pro. Um, I wonder. No, those are the Seversons. I was going to say, I think he has a brother on... New Jersey now, but I think that's the Seversons. But uh, I know Sheldon Brookbank played in the NHL. I, I shouldn't say I know what I think he did. Um, but Brookbanks are a tough family. Wade was a great interview. Darren did an amazing job with Wade. And the best part about it is uh, it was a very long interview, so he actually broke it up into two parts. So the latest episode that's available now is part one, and I believe part two is being released at some point today. So I would definitely advise you to catch up with those episodes and everything in his back catalog because Darren does an amazing job. And also, if you're a fan of YouTube and you're a fan of Hockey Fights, the Fourth Line Voice uh, YouTube channel. And uh, as I always say, God, play a drinking game and uh, drink every time I say, as I say, or as I always say, holy shit. But as I always say, if you've watched the Hockey Fight on YouTube, Chances are it's on the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. Now, after you check out the latest Wade Brookbank episodes on the Fourth Line Voice channel, I want you to go to the Five for Fighting podcast. That is done by my friend Alec in Tampa, who may be a neighbor of mine but, uh, by summer. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. And the thing about Alec, see, Darren is more my age. He's younger than me. I think he's five years younger than me. Alec is a pup. This is a kid, okay? And the thing about Alec is he's he's maybe a kid in, in his age years. His age years? What the fuck? His age makes him a kid, but he's old school at heart. 
And it's always nice for an old fart like me to see someone like Alec, who is a baby that really has a fondness for the role and is passionate about it. And it really comes through in his episodes. Now, Alec's been very busy the last few months and he hasn't put out a new episode in a while. Uh, his latest episode is with Frank Littlejohn, renowned minor league enforcer. Uh, according to Darren, Alec does have a new episode in the hopper and uh, hopefully that'll be released soon. But like I said last week, this is a good time to check out his back catalog because he's had some pretty amazing guests on his show. So definitely please, you won't be disappointed. I wouldn't steer you wrong. If I'm, if there, if I'm one thing, I'm honest and go to whatever platform you're listening to this show on, look up fourth line voice, look up five for fighting, subscribe to both of them, please. You, you won't be disappointed. I mean, think about the other stuff you're subscribed to. This will immediately jump to the top of your list as far as your favorite shows. So uh, definitely five for fighting podcast, fourth line voice podcast. Listen to both of those. Now, Alec is the czar of the enforcer appreciation page on Facebook. Um, God bless him. I honestly, Alec, God bless you because since I've been a moderator on that page, I see every day, these fake accounts trying to become members. It is exhausting just looking at those. And, um, God damn, I got to tell you, uh, anyone that runs a page on Facebook that gets as big as this one, God bless you, because it is. it seems like it's a lot of work, and it also seems like it's thankless. For Alec, he's lucky he's got actual moderators that take a more active role on the page. Unlike myself, I apologize for that. I do like denying the fake accounts. Uh, that is something I, I get a kick out of every day. But um, definitely check out the Enforcer Appreciation page and also the QSPHL slash LNAH jersey and equipment page on Facebook. People, get on there. Post your jerseys. I love this stuff. I want to see all your Joel Terrio stuff. Um, I've said it a million times. If I had to pick a guy who's, you know, there are certain guys that are known in that league, like Joel Terrio, Pat Cote, uh, Mike Bajerni, Steve Bosse. Um, there's a handful of guys that are known primarily for that league. I mean, a guy like Pat Cote played in the NHL, uh, but I think a lot of people remember him from his time up there. Uh, Joel Terrio would be my number one guy up there. I want to see your Joel Terrio stuff uh, on that page. And actually, I may as well say this now. Um, back in the day when I had uh, about 550 sticks, um, my wife, unfortunately, was uh, was hit. She was driving a car, and a, and a car hit us, and we, we were. She was Tebow, and a car was totaled. And uh, it was never my intention to sell any of my collection, but unfortunately, at the time, we had no money in the bank, really, and um, my wonderful collection had to be uh, liquidated or a good portion of it. One of the sticks I had there was a Joel Terrio stick, and I sold that stick, and I've regretted it ever since that day. So if the person that I sold that stick to is out there and is listening to this, I would love to have that stick back. So please, if you're interested in selling it, please reach out to me and uh, and let me know. I mean, I'm interested in anything that uh, Joel has worn, uh, but uh, I think his stuff is maybe a little bit out of my range. But I would love to get that stick back. Uh, I believe it was a black Sherwood with white graphics. So um, like I said, enforce it. see, there I go again, like I said. Uh, Enforcer Appreciation page and the QSPHL slash LNEH jersey and equipment page on Facebook. Now, as far as personal news, and you're going to hear this 
every episode going forward for a little while. So uh, please listen. Uh, due to circumstances beyond my control and my family's control, we are potentially looking to leave New York. And if we leave New York, our target is Florida because the stupid ass mayor and the stupid ass governor of this state, well, they wanted to close everything down. Now, miraculously, COVID cases have spiked here in New York, but something miraculous happened after the inauguration that now, even though numbers have spiked, well, the governor wants to open things up. The mayor wants to open things up. It's really weird how that works out. It's good that this is an actual disease and there's nothing political about it. I hope that in other countries that this is actually just a disease and it's not anything political like they've done here in the U.S. and especially here in New York. But I work in the entertainment industry and my industry is shut down and it is January 31st and I have no idea when my industry is going to reopen. They really are forcing my hand. So uh, there is a very good chance that at some point in the summer, we will be packing up a truck and relocating to Florida. So if you're listening to this and either you live in Florida or you know someone in Florida and they might be hiring, I am going to be looking for a job down there. Now, I'm 50 years old. I've been around the block a few times. I don't need to love my job. I just can't hate it. I'm pretty much open to anything. I cannot, 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 cannot do sales, though. Sales is not for me. I can't cold call people. I can't just go into other places and try to solicit. That is absolutely 100% not for me. But if there's a job out there in Florida, and we're really focusing on the area between uh, Sarasota, Bradenton, and Tampa, if there's a job out there that pays a decent wage and I can get benefits and a retirement, like a 401k or something, or an even better pension, uh, I am definitely interested. I would love to hear it. So if you're that person down there and you know someone, or maybe you, or you know someone, you don't live in Florida, but you know someone down there that might be hiring, please reach out to me because uh, it, it every day as we get uh, closer and closer to the summer, I honestly don't think my industry is going to open anytime soon. I don't think it would probably even be open by the summer. So I have to look out for my family. Um, and and Florida might be our best option. So if anyone is down there or knows anyone that can help me out, please reach out. I'm not looking for charity. I'm not looking for a handout. I am more than willing to work my ass off. I just I need the opportunity. So um, let me know. So uh, before we get on to the Brett Gallant season in review episode, there are a few things I would like to discuss hockey related. So every week I, I make notes for this intro and uh, every, <laughs> for the last, what, two or three weeks, I wanted to introduce a new feature on the show. And that feature is going to be the 2021 New York Islanders fight report. And every week I just scroll right past it because, well, if you're an Islanders fan, you know they haven't had a fight yet. They have played eight games so far. I don't even want to say they've been close to they have been close to uh, engaging in a fight. I mean, there's been some pushing and shoving, but I honestly don't think uh, they've been close. But the the newest feature for the show, I will uh, I will let you know if you're not in the 
viewing area, but I'll let you know. I'm sure you'll know. If you're listening to the show, you're going to know if the Islanders have had a fight. But we'll just go over the fights that they had that past week. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I will have the opportunity to actually bring that new feature to you. So stay tuned for the 2021 New York Islanders fight report. Hopefully at some point this season, I can actually break that out. As far as the uh, as far as the team on the ice this year, so if you listened to last week's episode, you heard my little rant about the uh, the fans and the media and Ross Johnston. Which, by the way, the one thing I left out this this should be simple. It should be simple, but I guess not. Okay, the man's name is Ross Johnston. Okay. I still hear people in the media calling him Ross Johnson. I still see fans posting Ross Johnson. You hate the guy so much or you think he's useless. Spell his name right. Johnston. Johnston. Okay. Not Johnson. Johnston. But now the Islanders are in a bit of a funk lately. They're now 3-4-1, which is good, air quotes, for seventh place in the Patrick division. But. Ross Johnston has not played in the last two games. Two games ago, they lost in regulation to Washington, and their last game, they lost in overtime to Philadelphia, which I'm going to get into in a moment. So I guess all those experts on social media, all those people who know everything there is to know, well, I guess you can't blame the last two losses on Ross Johnston. Oh, boo-hoo. But they have an even bigger whipping boy, then Ross, and that's Leo Komarov, who incidentally has not played well all year, in my opinion. Um, so that's the whipping boy while Ross is out. Uh, when Ross is in the lineup, it's usually Ross and Leo. But being that Ross has not played the last two games, Leo Komarov is bearing the brunt of the uh, of the fans, both regular fans and the scouts and analysts that I mentioned last game. But uh, but yeah, so they, they haven't been able to badmouth Ross in the last two games. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Now, I have to say this about uh, the game against Philly. Um, I, I, I'm, abs- I, I'm 50 years old, like I said. I've been watching hockey now over 40 years. For me, I feel like I've seen everything. I do. I honestly feel like I've seen it all. But I saw something happen yesterday in last night's game that absolutely blew my mind, okay? There were two separate times in overtime where the Islanders had possession of the puck. They had possession of the puck in the Flyers' zone. They had absolutely zero urgency. And I don't even mean to say they had zero urgency, but they were playing keep away from the Flyers. I mean, they were just, it literally was lollygagging, if you remember the scene in Bull Durham where the manager was talking about the players lollygagging, you could literally plug that scene in to the Islanders in overtime last night. And they're in the zone. So I I always thought the objective was to gain the zone of the opposition because that's your best chance of potentially scoring. So now it's you're in their zone, and now you're skating out on your own. And not only are you skating out of the zone on your own, you're skating out of your zone and you're going into your own zone which to me sounds pretty dangerous because you flub a pass now you're now you're in your zone the other team just has to grab it they get a shot on goal but that did not happen once it happened twice 
twice they had the puck and they took it out of their own zone. Now I saw people say, well, it's three on three. They were playing for the shootout. And uh, apparently, I don't know this for a fact. I can't, I can't agree or disagree with this because I don't watch the Flyers enough. Apparently, the Islanders can't compete with the speed that the Flyers have. So I don't know if that's true or not. But regardless, regardless of that, if I'm I'm watching this team and I'm I don't lose my shit over sports. I don't. Last week the Bills lost the AFC Championship game. I didn't even lose my shit about that. I I swear to God, the last time I lost my shit about a sporting event was Super Bowl 25. That was the last time. But I'm watching this game going, what the fuck are they doing? The Flyers just really had to sit back and wait because the Islanders were more than happy to leave the offensive zone on their own. I've never seen anything like that before. And if it's true that they can't compete with the speed of the Flyers because now it's three on three, so the ice all of a sudden is bigger, well, I don't want to see them lollygag and play for the uh, shootout. I want to see them be aggressive. I'd much rather accept them being aggressive and if they get caught up ice or whatever and lose a game then lose a game like I saw them lose tonight, last night. It doesn't make sense to me. It absolutely does not make sense. So I, I'm dumbfounded. To play, first of all, three on three is stupid. The shootout is stupid. My opinions, you don't have to agree with me. There's nothing wrong with going to overtime, playing five minute overtime, 10 minute overtime. And if nobody wins, you each get a point. It worked for years. But, again, they want to go and reinvent the wheel. Three-on-three, don't need it. Stupid. It's not the game. Shootout, definitely not the game. Keep it in the All-Star game, whatever. To me, it's just not hockey. You're going to have guys breaking their asses for 65 minutes and then decided on a skills competition? No, thank you. And, yes, go ahead, insert your... uh, Grandpa Simpson meme or whatever, or, you know, Walt Kowalski. Yeah, fine. I'm old fashioned. I don't like this shit. Get rid of the three on three. Get rid of the shootout. There's nothing wrong with ties. So you get a loser point. People call it a loser point for a reason. You lost. Anyway, I just, I, I really, if you didn't watch the game, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But just picture a team having the puck in overtime and willingly leave their zone to go to the neutral zone or their own end because I I don't know. They're killing time for the shootout. makes no fucking sense to me, but I don't know. I don't know. And listen, people have been coming down on Barry Trotz lately and people have been all over Lou. I I love Barry Trotz and I love Lou Lamarillo. I'm always, I'm just going to stand by them, but that was a very weird thing. It was very peculiar, peculiar to see that tonight. So I, I don't know. I was, I was just, and I, I keep saying tonight, yesterday, uh, it was just something I just I've never seen before, but I had to get that off my chest. Um, also, this Friday, February fifth, uh, opening day. I say opening day because believe it or not, I glanced at the schedule uh, very quickly. It looks like every Bridgeport Sound Tiger game this year is at one p.m. So, starting this Friday, February fifth, uh, that's when the Bridgeport Sound Tigers start their season. Uh, they are playing a 24-game season, and they are in a division with only two other teams, Hartford and Providence. Hartford, Providence, and Bridgeport make up a division this year. They're playing 24-game schedule in that division. They are each It's sort of like a round robin, and they're playing 
They're playing each other 12 times, which could be really good. It could. Re- I'm hoping familiarity breeds contempt. I'm hoping for it in this NHL season at some point. Hasn't really started yet in terms of that. Uh, haven't seen any hate yet. Well, in the in the Islanders' case, uh, but I'm hoping that in the minors that we see some hate. Now, uh, two of my previous guests on the show, I'm hoping, are going to play key roles for the Sound Tigers this year. That's Yannick Turcotte. He's a winger and Mike Cornell uh, defenseman. And Bridgeport also has Seth Helgeson on defense. So they have three guys. I Now I looked at the rosters for Hartford and Providence and I don't know. I, I don't know 99% of their players. So I don't know if either team has a real physical presence, but if the, if the Sound Tigers are going to play Turcotte, Cornell and Helgeson, and if they're going to play regularly, those two teams are going to have to put some muscle in the lineup because uh, Cornell and Helgeson are steady defensive defensemen. They like to play physical. They like to bang. They don't mind dropping the gloves. And in Turcotte, you have an up-and-coming tough guy. He's, I mean, he's old school in a, in a kid's body, and he loves to scrap. And uh, he's just, please, if you, haven't, if you haven't listened to the Cornell and Turcotte episodes, please go back. Uh, maybe it's a good idea to go back and listen to those episodes before Bridgeport season starts. And the thing you'll notice about Turcotte is his youthful exuberance. Just a really, really great kid. And, uh, you know, I, I really, uh, I subscribe to AHL TV because I want to watch them and, and see how they do. So please go back and listen to the Turcotte and uh, Mike Cornell episodes. The last thing I want to say is this. Uh, this is actually a question for everybody. And <laughs> is it really an intro when I'm now 36 minutes in? But I have to ask this. Oh, hold on. Before I even ask that, congratulations are in order. See what happens when you scroll too quickly? Josh Bailey, and I know a lot of Islander fans don't like Josh Bailey, uh, but this is something I'll get into with uh, hopefully my next guest that comes up. The uh, 2010-11 team will always be spe- uh, special to me, and I know I've said that before. And uh, most of those guys in that team, even if it was for for just that season or the season after or whatever, uh, were very, very good to me. They took me in like I was one of their own and uh, really uh, just a great group of guys they had. I know that uh, maybe the results weren't there that any of us wanted in terms of standings, but um, that team will always be special to me. Everybody on that team that was nice to me will always be special to me. Josh Bailey was fantastic to me, and I will always I will always refer him. I, I was a fan of Josh Bailey's before that, and I know a lot of people really don't like him. I, I don't know, but uh, I love the kid. And Josh Bailey uh, last night played his 873rd game for the Islanders. He passed Clark Gillies. Josh Bailey has now played the fourth most games in the Islanders' history. And uh, that is unbelievable. Um, he still looks like a kid. And uh, I, I'm really proud of him. And uh, just congratulations to Josh Bailey. Also last night, Matt Martin played in his 700th NHL game. So congratulations to Matt. 568 of those games were with the Islanders. The other ones were with some team in Ontario, blue and white team. I don't know. They've got nut job fans, but, uh, and their organization gave up Lula Amarillo for an a- analytics guy. So whatever. Um, the thing that is funny, and it's something I've said before, and uh, this will definitely be coming up in a, in a later monologue. I think MSG and 
I don't know if it's an MSG thing or an Islanders thing, but I really think they dropped the boat tonight. Now, Matt Martin played 700, and I said tonight again, last night. You'd think the game, oh, forget it. It would be nice if the Islanders would have let Butch Goring talk about playing 700 NHL games. Butch Goring played 1,107 NHL games. So out of everybody that was on the MSG panel tonight, there was one person that could have could have really spoken about playing 700 games because he's played 1,100 games. It would have been great to hear Butch Goring talk about that and uh, not just during the game, get him on the desk during pregame so we could talk about it, maybe talk a little bit about his journey to 1100 games because you can't hit 1100 without hitting 700 and i think it i think it really would have been great for for msg or you know to have the foresight to say hey this guy's played 700 games let's get butch on here let's get butch at the desk to talk about what it's like to play 700 nhl games uh they chose not to do that i really think they did the fans a disservice i really think they missed the boat uh it would have been nice to hear butch talk about uh, playing that many games in the NHL. But congratulations to Matt Martin on 700. Congratulations to Josh Bailey on 873. Now, finally, I have to ask this. This is something that uh, I am very stubborn about. But it, it really it comes to mind every now and then when the police blotter comes out, I guess. But um, last week in the uh, Bills and Chiefs game, there was a, a scene where there was a bit of a scrum on the field and um, Deion Dawkins and John Feliciano were kind of, uh, they came to the defense of Josh Allen. And on the sidelines, there's a player for the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill. And they showed um, Mahomes that he was kind of telling him, get back, get back. And I did get a chuckle out of that. So while, while the game itself didn't turn out the way I had hoped, I want to thank Tyreek Hill for giving me that laugh because there's no way on God's green earth that Tyreek Hill wants on any part of Deion Dawkins or John Feliciano. Now, in case you're not familiar with Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill is the guy who uh, who beat his pregnant girlfriend, including punching her in the stomach. And he's also the guy that apparently abuses his child. Um, and most of the time when you get cowards like that, they don't really like to fight real men. And uh, I'm pretty sure that a guy like Deion Dawkins or a guy like John Feliciano can bring a world of hurt onto anybody. Um, and I, I don't think guys that beat their pregnant girlfriends or abuse children uh, really probably bring much to the table in a fight with a man. But I don't know. But it, it got me thinking again, and this is something that I've always been fascinated about. How, how do you, as a fan, separate the athlete from the man? And I'll give you another example related to football. So as you know, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. And the Buffalo Bills, they have the king, I guess, of uh, really bad guys that were prominent in the organization. As you know, arguably the best running back in team history. I'll put him at number two. But arguably their best running back in team history, as you know, is a double murderer. And... Believe it or not, down here on the island, there are quite a few Bills fans, but I've never seen an O.J. Simpson jersey down here. I have seen people wear them up in Buffalo, and I can't wrap my head around that. I, I honestly can't because, first of all, the people I I saw wear the jerseys are nowhere near old enough to have ever seen him play. Maybe if they were old enough to have seen him play, 
I could try to wrap my head around it. I still don't think I could. But they're younger people. They're younger than me. And they're wearing O.J. Simpson jerseys. And I just, I can't wrap my head around that. I can't separate the football player from the double murder. I can't do it. I, I don't know how people do that. Um, today, on uh, uh, yesterday, I don't remember. I've been watching episodes all weekend. Uh, Law and Order SVU, they had an episode where a football player uh, punched his wife in the in a stairwell, and apparently he's been very abusive. And I know they get these the, the ideas for the shows based on real life, and it kind of mimicked the Ray Rice thing. And, you know, Ray Rice never played football again. And he, Ray Rice didn't play football again because he punched his wife in an elevator. Ray Rice didn't play football again because he had nothing left. You know, and because, of course, if you can play, teams will find a spot for you. If you can't play, then they'll just leave you twisting in the wind. So Tyreek Hill does all this shit, but Tyreek Hill's in his prime. So he's going to find a job. Um, I, Ray Lewis, I mean, nobody really, there are people that know what happened. Nobody that is ever going to say anything. I don't know what part Ray Lewis played in an apparent murder. I don't know. I know he had bloody clothes that he disposed of, but I don't know what he did. But Ray Lewis is one of the greatest linebackers ever in the history of the game. Ray Lewis would have had a job till the day he decided he didn't want it anymore, which is exactly what happened. Um, if you can play, they'll find a spot for you. I don't understand. I just, I can't get it. So let's even talk, and, and let's talk about something like, I don't, I don't know how any fans separate the two the thing that really blows my mind are women wearing jerseys of guys who have been abusive towards women the first one that really blew me away was when i was living in philadelphia and scranton wilkesbury or wilkesbury scranton penguins came to play the phantoms and their fans the the, the wilkesbury team's uh, fans they travel I don't know if they travel everywhere, but they definitely traveled to Philadelphia. And they always had a ton of fans there at the games. And I saw girls and women wearing Billy Tippett's jerseys. Now, listen, I, I, I fully subscribe to the theory of there's three sides to the truth. There's three sides to the story. Your side, my side, and the truth. I only know what I read about Billy Tippett's. I don't know. I don't know. The guy seems like he does have some problems, did have some problems. I don't know anything about the guy personally. Okay. But let's say the stuff is true. It's, it's weird to me to see a woman wear the jersey of someone who's been accused of some sort of an assault on another woman. It blows my mind when I see Steeler fan, female Steeler fans wearing Ben Roethlisberger jerseys. I, I, I don't, again, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. Let me tell you a story that has to do with hockey. Now, I don't know if I've ever discussed this on the show. This is not my story to tell, so I'm going to leave names out of it, but I will tell you about the incident because this is a story I heard from a former player maybe two years ago, but this happened many years ago, but I didn't hear about it until two years ago. And the reason when we were talking about it, he says, I, I thought you would have heard about this. This story made the rounds, and I'd never heard about it before. But there was a hockey player who I used to be a very big fan of, very, very big fan of. I purchased his jersey once, and I purchased one of his game-worn jerseys once, which the game-worn jersey I, I had traded away 
I don't know, however many years ago. It had nothing to do with this story. And I sold the the uh, pro replica jersey that I bought uh, again years ago, probably when when uh, I needed the money when when we got uh, the car got totaled. But this is a guy I was a huge fan of, and uh, apparently when he was in the minors, um, at, I think it was a Christmas party. Uh, one of his teammates was recalled to the NHL club, but the teammate's wife was still in town. I don't know if it was like a one-game call-up, called her for a weekend, whatever it was, but the wife was still in the minor league town. And I guess at the Christmas party, this guy got loaded and ended up punching her right in the jaw. And when I heard that, I was it was like I, I couldn't believe it. Now, maybe couldn't believe it is, is a little strong because this is someone who's been in, in trouble before. Um, but, but never, I'd never heard anything against a woman, let's say. Um, and it really, it threw me for a loop. And, um, I said, oh, geez, I can't, I, I just can't root for this guy anymore. Now I, I heard that, um, while the, the husband was up in the NHL city, uh, one of his teammates who I guess had left the party uh, was made aware of the incident. And apparently he went to this other player's house and he handled the situation. Let's leave it at that. Um, again, not my story to tell. I'm not throwing names out there. Uh, you may know this story, uh, but again, it's not my story to tell. It's not me. It's not my story to give names out to. Okay. Uh, but when I heard the story, absolutely 100%, I can never root for this guy again. And when I see people post pictures of him or I see his name brought up, I just, I have no respect for him anymore. I have zero respect for him. And it happened instantly. Instantly it happened. And again, like you have that scumbag that was on the Seahawks now that, that beat his girl. And, you know, I guess when she came to, he looked at her and he said, oh, I can't believe her alive or something like that. But people will, will root for these guys. And like, I, like Mike Tyson is looked at, he's revered by people. I don't, I don't understand how you do that. Now, I, I, I fully understand appreciating what they bring to their field, let's say. what what You can appreciate what Mike Tyson did in the ring. You can appreciate what Ben Roethlisberger does on the football field or, say, Billy Tibbetts did on the ice. Because, uh, let's be honest, Billy Tibbetts, he was, as far as his playing ability goes, he could do everything. Billy Tibbetts was a really talented player. He was tough. He was skilled. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what kind of a career he might've had if not for the off the ice troubles. Um, so I, I totally get if, if you appreciate their athleticism and what they brought to the sport, um, what I just can't, I can't separate the athlete from the man or the women. I think hope solo got in trouble for beating her husband or something or whatever it was. The, the USA goalie, I know she was in trouble, but let's just say, I can't separate the athlete from the man. So I guess I'm curious if, if anyone wants to reach out to me, I, I am very curious how you as a fan reconcile um, separating the athlete and his athletic accomplishments from his off the field or off the ice issues where they're absolute and complete garbage. I'm just curious because I can't do it. I see people talking about Floyd Mayweather all the time. Oh, Floyd Mayweather, this Floyd Mayweather, that please. I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's just, that's me. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying that you're wrong. 
What I am saying is if you're one of those people who support an athlete and they have done some pretty heinous shit, I would love to know how you reconcile that. And not for, and not for me to say you're horseshit for doing that, really for me to say, hmm, all right, that makes sense. Because I am legitimately curious how one would do that because I am not able to do that. So call me stubborn, call me pigheaded, uh, set my ways. You're right on all counts. But uh, I just can't do it. So now, after 50 minutes of this intro, which I hope you at least found somewhat interesting, we're going to get into the 2014-15 season of one Mr. Brett Gallant. He spent the season with Bridgeport. Uh, We're going to dive right in to his season. So let's go. Here's a little background on Brett Gallant. So Brett Gallant is always listed, no matter where you look, he's listed at six feet tall, 192 pounds. Uh, I have never met Brett Gallant, but he looks like he would be a little thicker than the 192. And I know a lot of guys say that uh, that the weight, the height and weight that they're measured at maybe in their first training camp is what they're always listed at throughout their career. Um, I think Dean Ewan told me that he was listed at 185 during his first camp and he kept they kept putting him at 185 for the longest time. And um, I, I don't know how accurate the six foot 192 is for Brett Gallant. I just know that he looks a lot thicker than that. Uh, if someone told me he was two, 210, uh, I definitely wouldn't be surprised. His fists alone look like they're 20 pounds each. So I definitely wouldn't be surprised if the um, – the 192 isn't entirely accurate. The six foot might be, um, and you'll notice a running theme when I go through these fights where he's the smaller guy in every fight. It, it's just every single fight, the uh, the opponent is taller. He has a much longer reach advantage. He may not be thicker. He may not be stronger, but he's definitely taller, definitely has the reach advantage. So uh, that is definitely a running theme, not only in the 2014-15 season for Brett Gallant, but throughout his career. And you know what? Brett Gallant doesn't give a shit. As the overuse saying is, as the overuse saying goes, look at me, I can't even uh, I can't even make fun of it right. But as the overuse saying goes, Brett Gallant gives no fucks about the size difference between Brett Gallant and his opponent. He just does not care. Uh, and that's great for us as Islanders fans, as Sound Tigers fans, as Brett Gallant fans. But like I said, usually listed at six feet, 192 from Summerside PEI, another tough Maritimer. Uh, we got a tough guy on the Islanders right now in Ross Johnston from Prince Edward Island. Uh, former guest Kevin Devine, uh, not as big as Ross Johnston, not as big as Brett Gallant, but he is a tough customer from PEI. Um my friend Darcy Harris, I don't want to say friend of the show because I've known Darcy a very long time, uh, spent time in the Canadians organization, really underrated, tough guy from PEI, from O'Leary PEI. So, uh, the, and as you know, um, Eric Bolton, another tough Maritimer, he's been on the show. So, so uh, they, there is something up there in the water where it makes, uh, makes these guys very tough. And uh, uh, Brett Gallant, tough as nails, his brother Alex, tough as nails. I mean, they just, uh, they raise him tough up there. So, um, so Brett Gallant, I don't know if he's the pride of Summerside, but he's definitely one. He has to be one of them. And, uh, he's a great representative for the province. So in 2010, 11, uh, Brett played 13 games with the Elmira Jackals and 12 games, uh, with the Reading Royals. Both of those teams at the time were in the East coast hockey league, uh, before he signed a PTO at Bridgeport. So he played 25 games in the coast, uh, Bridgeport took notice, signed him to a PTO. 
He ended up playing 17 games for Bridgeport, scored his first American Hockey League goal that season, accumulated 73 penalty minutes, and had nine fights again in 17 games. On May 5th, 2011, I don't know why sometimes I say 2011. I try to always stick with the 20-whatever. May 5th, 2011, the Sound Tigers announced that they'd signed Brett Gallant to a one-year AHL contract, and then Brett would spend the next four seasons at Webster Bank Arena, calling that fine arena home, solidifying his place as one of professionals hockey, professional hockey's most dangerous enforcers. If I was any kind of professional, I would absolutely restart this whole thing because I have fumbled so many lines so far, it's ridiculous. But I'm as professional as you want me to be or as I want to be. Uh, this is a one-man operation, and I don't get paid for this. So, uh, And this shows you that I'm human, too, and that I make mistakes. So I think it's probably best for everybody involved. But, God, I hope this goes a lot smoother than the, than the first few minutes here. So, like I said, Brett spent several years in Bridgeport. On April 7th, 2014, Brett got the call that all hockey players yearn to get, what they work for. He got the call to the show. After years of defending his teammates in Bridgeport, his hard work paid off with the uh, recall to the island. And I love this stuff. I've said this all the time. You know, you have guys like Brett Gallant getting a late-season call-up, Justin Johnson getting a late-season call-up. I will always bang the drum for Pascal Morenci, who did not get called up after he came to the defense of Kyle Oposo in the exhibition game against Dion Phaneuf, where Phaneuf almost killed Oposo, and Morenci didn't even think twice, and he came off the bench to challenge Phaneuf, who, of course, wanted no part of him. Uh, but, you know, listen, Phaneuf's a, a very good player, but in terms of toughness, mm, maybe a bit of a bluff. My opinion, I know, you know, Leafs fans, who knows, how you feel about him. I know you guys tend to be a little biased, but, uh, you know, I love seeing things like that. I love seeing guys like Gallant and um, Johnson get called up. And, and uh, you know, uh, I really, really wish that Pascal would have got at least one game. And, and Garth is usually good with stuff like that. I was really surprised that uh, that Pascal didn't get that game called up. But Brett was lucky enough. He got the call. He played four games with the Islanders, totaled 17 penalty minutes. He had three fights. So you get five minutes for fight. He took four penalties. Three of them were fighting majors. Uh, you know, Brett's been good about that. He's not a guy that's going to put up 500 minutes and take a lot of tens and stuff like that. Uh, he's he's certainly a smart player. He makes his penalty minutes count when he takes them. And uh, perfect example of that, his time in the NHL. 17 minutes, four games, three fights, fought Matt Cassian of Ottawa, George Paris of Montreal, and our old friend here on the island, Zanik Kanaka, who was with Buffalo at the time. So that catches you up, and that brings us to the 2014-15 season, which is the season we're going to discuss today. So in 2014-15, Brett Gallant played 45 games for Bridgeport, had two goals, four assists, six points, 247 penalty minutes, and 17 fights. Now in those 17 fights, he had three sets of two fights with the same opponent. And uh, I guess what I'm trying to say there is he fought the same guy twice, three times that year. So he had one fight with a guy, and then they rematched. I know it's probably taking me too long to explain something very simple. But six of those fights were against three guys. So he had three re- rematches that year. And he also had three two-fight games in those 17 fights that he had in 45 games played. 
Now, for his Bridgeport career, Brett, uh, Brett Gallant played 187 games. He had six goals, six assists, 12 points, 857 penalty minutes in 187 games and 83 fights. Now, the 857 PIMS and the 83 fighting majors both rank him number one all-time in the history of the Bridgeport franchise. And Bridgeport, if you uh, follow the team, or even if you take a few minutes to go to HockeyDB or Elite Prospects, whichever is your site of choice, and you look at the guys who have played for Bridgeport, they've had some killers. And there have been a few times where they've had multiple killers on the roster at the same time. So this is not a team that is not known for toughness. This is a tough organization. The Islanders always, always stock the Bridgeport Sound Tigers with toughness, even this year, even in 2021, uh, as I mentioned earlier, where uh, fighting is almost phased out of the game. The Islanders are employing three guys on Bridgeport this year who can throw hands with anybody. So uh, Bridgeport is always a tough team. And right here, you got the king of their penalty minutes and the fighting majors and Brett Gallant, like I said, in 187 games, 12 points, 857 PIMS, and 83 fights. So this guy is the undisputed king of Bridgeport heavyweights. He did have one preseason fight with the Islanders uh, in uh, 2014-15. He fought someone named Jordan Caron, and this was on October 3rd, 2014. This is a preseason game. Now, I don't have video of this. Uh, I don't know if any exists, uh, but Jordan Curran is not known for fighting. And Brett Gallon, of course, is a paid assassin on the ice. He can do some serious damage. So I don't know if Jordan Curran maybe lost a bet with someone and he had to go out and take his licks. Or uh, maybe one of his teammates said, hey, why don't you go fight that guy? You're bigger than him. Whatever it was. But uh, if if you look at the history of both players, I don't see any way on God's green earth, that this ends up any other way than Karan turtling or getting his, just getting the bag beat off him by Brekelant. Again, I don't know what happened, but anything other than uh, Karan holding on, Karan turtling, or Gallant with a decisive victory would really surprise me. So again, I can't confirm any of that, but uh, like I said, based on their histories, I just, I can't see it going any other way. So, Unfortunately for Islander fans, uh, Brett did not make the Islanders that year. He did not play any games in the show that year. He spent the year in Bridgeport, and we get to his first fight that year, which took place in Bridgeport on October 19, 2014, against Josh Anderson of Springfield. So they drop the gloves behind the Springfield net, and they make their way out to the Springfield blue line. Anderson has a very noticeable size advantage. They engage, and Anderson throws an uppercut, five jersey jabs, and an overhand right, while Galan is unfazed and biding his time. Gallant then throws a big right that puts Anderson down. They get back up and continue throwing. Anderson is mixing up his rights and jersey jabs while Gallant is composed and just he just starts throwing bombs again, one of which hits the spot and staggers Anderson, but he doesn't go down. The linesmen come in to break them up. The color commentator remarks that Anderson had laid a questionable, air quotes, hit on Aaron Ness earlier in the period, so it makes sense that Gallant would do his job and go after him. They each get five minutes for fighting. Now I I don't have uh I didn't have the AHL package at the time and there's no video of the hit so I will take the uh, uh, color commentator at his word that Anderson probably uh, probably laid a cheap hit on Aaron Ness and uh, Brett Gallant just goes in and does his job and uh, he does his job better than most so um, 
So that was his first fight. Like I said, they each get five for fighting. And we move on to later that day. Uh, Gallant wasn't done. At, uh, he also adds Brett Ponich to his uh, fight card that year. And he'll fight Brett Ponich twice this year. This is fight number one. Again, like I said, October 19th. 2014. So later in the game, Gallant and Ponich decide to have a go. This was uh, Ponich's first game of the season, and uh, it's a pretty tough task going up against one of the best in the league in dropping the gloves in your first game, but he was up for the challenge. Um, like I said, tough going up against one of the baddest dudes in your first game. Gallant, again, and like I said, this is going to be a running theme in all these fights. He's at a height disadvantage, and although Ponich has a decided reach advantage in this fight, Gallant uses his, uh, uses his experience to overcome that by tagging uh, Ponich. Have I called him Polonich? I don't even know. I may have been calling him Polonich in this fight. See how the brain works? You just I just immediately uh, default to um, Polonich, but it's Ponich. So I do apologize. And again, I am not I'm not redoing this. So he's fighting Brett Ponich, not Dennis Polonich. So that's that. So, again, while Gallant is at a height disadvantage, and although Ponich has a decided reach advantage, Gallant uses his experience to overcome that by tagging Ponich with a few jersey jabs and some overhand rights. This one is all Gallant from the start. They each get five minutes for fighting. Ponich also receives an unsportsmanlike conduct. Gallant receives an unsportsmanlike conduct and a game misconduct. Now, the, there's going to be another running theme in these uh, uh, that where you see these unsportsmanlike conducts. And the unsportsmanlike conducts, they give those out for removing your own helmet. Now, good grief. As you watch these fights, a lot of the fights, the helmets don't come off. And what you have are these two guys throwing missiles at each other. And the hands are getting banged off the helmet and banged off the visor. Now, a new ager. Uh, maybe one of these uh, Corsi guys would say, well, why do they have to fight in the first place? Well, yeah, that's that's a good point, of course, because emotion isn't part of the game. But you would think, you know, they want to deter these guys from taking off their helmets, but I don't know. I just can't imagine the punishment. I have some of these helmets in my collection, and one of them has a visor on it, and I just can't imagine throwing a, a punch full speed and just having it bounce off the helmet and the visor. I don't know. I, I think it's horseshit that they get unsportsmanlike conducts for removing their helmets. I mean, I also think it's horseshit uh, getting thrown out after two fights, but I'm not the commissioner, so I have no say in it. We move on to November 14th, 2014. We are at the Har Hartford Civic Center. I don't think they play Brass Bonanza there anymore, although they should every time the Wolfpack score a goal, which hopefully isn't too much this year with them playing Bridgeport 12 times. But on this day, November 14th, 2014, Brett Gallant drops the gloves with Justin Vive. A scrum ensues in front of the Bridgeport net, and Vive attempts to poke the puck loose from the goalie. Gallant was having none of that, and he grabs the much bigger Vive, and they go behind the Springfield net. Gallant's helmet is off while Vive's remained on. Gallant controlled this fight from the start. Vive threw some shots, but many were flailing, and Gallant did a great job of positioning himself to do whatever he wanted in this fight. Gallant threw some big shots, but maybe two landed as he had to work around the visor. Not much damage damage is done here by either guy, but I'd give Gallant the W. Each go off five minutes for fighting. We move on to November 16th, 2014, and guess who's back? Brett Ponich. Not Polonich. Brett Ponich. 
of Springfield for round two of this season. So this is a rematch of their first fight from October 19th. The video joins the fight in progress, so I can't say for sure how it went before the footage started. They're already locked up. Gallant has his helmet on and Ponich's helmet is off. They have each other strung out at arm's length, and Gallant is landing a few jersey jabs to keep Ponich off balance. They exchange some rights. Gallant, Gallant's land and Ponich isn't doing any damage since he has to work around Gallant's helmet and visor. Now, see see what I'm talking about? Last fight, you got uh, Galley trying to work around Vive's helmet and visor. This fight, you got Ponich trying to work around Galley's helmet and visor. Just let these guys take their fucking helmets off. Jesus Christ. Just let them do it. They're willing combatants. Let them do it. Let the boys be boys. Let men be men for Christ's sake. Although I don't I don't think I'm allowed to say let men be men anymore in 2021. I think I trigger people. But anyway, they throw simultaneous rights. Gallant lands. Ponich's don't. And the officials step in to break them up. Each get five minutes for fighting. Later in the game, this is another two-fight game for Brett Gallant. He takes on Thomas Larkin, and it's another opponent who he will fight this season. So this is Gallant versus Larkin, fight number one of 2014-15. This is Gallant's second fight of the game, and it finds him scrapping with Thomas Larkin. Gallant gives James Cyphers a pretty good cross-check from behind. It was pretty good. He, he definitely got his money's worth, and Larkin immediately goes after Gallant. Now, Larkin is bigger. But not much experience, nowhere near the experience that Gallant has in fighting. And he locks up Gallant in a bear hug in the corner and not much happens. Other than Gallant trying to throw punches, but nothing of substance lands due to Larkin wisely getting the grip on Brett. Uh, Larkin is taller. He isn't known for fighting at all. But I, I can't. I got to give the guy credit. Uh, in this game, the toughest guy on the ice was Brett Gallant. And uh, Larkin saw Gallant cross-check his teammate. Didn't even think twice about getting in there. And uh, taking on the much tougher Brett Gallant. Full marks to Larkin on this one. Uh, they each get five minutes for fighting. Gallant receives an instigator and double game misconduct. I don't exactly know how that happened uh, when Larkin came in to defend his teammate. I don't know if they deemed the cross check the instigator. I have no idea. But uh, he did get the double game misconduct too. Uh, and I don't. He might have got a game misconduct for the cross check, and uh, then you get the game misconduct for a second fight, which is. Like I said, just horseshit. But I digress. Until I'm running the American League, I really, I guess I can't say much. Uh, we move on to December, December 6th, 2014. We are now at Lehigh Valley. And Brett Gallant is taking on Derek Mathers or Mathers. I can't remember. Oh, God. I'm going to say Mathers. Isn't Jerry Mathers was a TV character? So I'm going to say Mathers, which means it's probably Mathers. But again, let's move on. They square off at center ice. Lids are off and the boys start chucking them like rock'em, sock'em robots until Mathers goes down with Gallant on top of him. This is a good scrap and quite entertaining for the fans and everyone else in the arena. They both head to their respective penalty boxes to a standing ovation from the Lehigh Valley crowd. Each guy gets five minutes for fighting and each also received an unsportsmanlike conduct. Why? The helmet thing again. Uh, this was just a... Uh, this was just a chuck em fight, man. This was uh, two guys going at it, trying to do some damage. And, um, you know, like I said, I don't think either guy was worse for wear. Good showing by both guys. Both uh, benches tapping their sticks. Everybody proud of their guy. Everybody was happy. All the fans in attendance loved it. And, uh, you know, two good guys right there. Now we go to 2015. We move on to the new year. And since 
um, Bridgeport has been in existence. They've had some really, really physical, violent games with the Hartford Wolfpack. And um, like I said, Galley already had a fight this year with Justin Vive. And now on January 11th, 2015, it would be uh, the fight that fans of both teams were probably dying to see this season. And uh, it's Brett Gallant versus Dylan McElrath. So they remove the buckets and square off just inside the Wolfpack blue line. Not a single person, and I counted, is sitting as they're anxious to see these monsters go at it. Uh, slow to start the fight. A uh, slow start to the fight, excuse me. Uh, Gallant finds himself going again, again, going up against a larger opponent with a decided reach advantage. And by the way, the guy's nickname is The Undertaker. Uh, the bout becomes a series of right hands, with Gallant out throwing McElrath by at least two to one and landing the better shots. Gallant eventually wrestles McElrath to the ice. Impressive showing by Gallant once again, especially going up against a guy like uh, like McElrath, who I really, really like. I don't know what exactly happened with the Rangers, uh, and I think it's unfortunate. And I, I, I just don't, at this point, who knows if he's ever going to get a shot with Detroit. But I'm happy he's still playing. I'd love to see him get a shot in the NHL. But, um, you know, <laughs> you know how that goes. It's probably not going to happen. But, uh, but you know, Good bout here by uh, Brett Gallant against McElrath. They each get five minutes for fighting, and they each received the obligatory unsportsmanlike conduct for removing the buckets. Good grief. All right. January 17th, 2015, my mom's birthday. The birthday present here was for me, though. He, Brett Gallant, takes on Eric Nielsen. Eric Nielsen is a guy... That I there's two guys, well, more than two guys. Obviously, uh, every guy on this list uh, I do enjoy. I'm the guys who fight, uh, you know, Thomas Larkin doesn't fight too much, and nothing against him, but obviously, I'm a bigger fan of the guys who drop the gloves. Um, there's a few guys on this list, though, that I really enjoy watching them fight, and Eric Nielsen is one of those guys. I, I just I never feel cheated when I watch that guy fight. I, I, I really, really. I, I really enjoy watching him fight. I got to check if anyone has a DVD made up of all his fights because I, I really, that guy is so much fun to watch. That night, January 17th, my mom's birthday, like I said, 2015, you got Brett Gallant, Eric Nielsen. Once again, the boys lose the helmets and square off under the big scoreboard at Webster Bank Arena. And once again, not a fan is sitting down. And the cool thing about watching these fights that take place in Bridgeport is they blast the Stone Cold Steve Austin walkout song in the background. And I always, you know what, I should ask him, and Jesus, I've done a bunch of interviews. I never ask. I wonder if the guys actually hear the music. I know a lot of times they say it's sort of like tunnel vision and I guess tunnel hearing in a sense where you're kind of oblivious to everything that's going on around you. And I, I think the um, the music playing is probably more there for the fans. But I, I do wonder if the players actually hear the music and if a guy's fighting that's a wrestling fan and he's a Steve Austin fan, I wonder I wonder if that kind of gives him goosebumps and gets him charged up. Or, you know, other times you hear other arenas where they play the Rocky theme or Whatever, you know, I, I, I should ask, I should ask that. Maybe I'll ask my next guest that if, uh, if you actually hear the music being played, being pumped through the speakers while you're fighting, I think that's a good question. If I don't ask it, maybe someone else can ask it. I don't know. Um, but Galan is more active early, 
But while he's throwing more, Nielsen has the reach advantage again and is preventing anything serious from landing. Gallant eventually lands one that might have stunned Nielsen, and then the fists start flying. Gallant throwing rights and Nielsen throwing lefts. Nielsen switches to his right, but neither lands anything at this point as they're holding each other off. Good fun fight by two guys I love to watch. I'd say Gallant landed more in this, but Nielsen held his own for sure. They each get five minutes for fighting, and they each received an unsportsmanlike conduct. This is embarrassing. I mean, it's embarrassing that I keep having to say that they received unsportsmanlike conducts. The league should be embarrassed. This, This is not the American League I grew up on in the 80s and 90s that was just this savage league. And I certainly don't mean savage the way people use it on social media now. When I say it was a savage league, it was fucking brutal. This was, I mean, one of one of my most favorite periods of time to watch hockey was the American League in the 80s and the 90s. So it's sort of embarrassing for me to have to keep saying that they received um, unsportsmanlike conducts for taking off their helmet. Jesus Christ. Anyway, we move on. A week later, January 24th, 2015, Francis Watier, who plays for the Portland Pirates, a team that I used to follow when the Islanders moved their minor league affiliate to the IHL, and I needed a team to watch and root for. That was the Portland Pirates because of players like Kevin Kaminsky, Kerry Clark, Brian Curran, and uh, they had a coach there named Barry Trotz who's pretty good at coaching. Regardless of what I'm seeing on social media lately, uh, Barry Trotz is pretty good at coaching. So, uh, so that was my team for a while. And then, of course, when they brought Bridgeport back, then uh, oh, I guess even before that when they had the guys in Kentucky and Lowell, but Bridgeport is really where it was, okay, they got their own team now. Let's go back. And I kind of left Portland behind. So um, Gallant lays out, I mean, lays a big hit on fellow Prince Edward Islander Brandon Gormley. I mean, it's like, it's got to be like getting hit by a truck. I mean, uh, you know, Gallant, like I said, he's not tall, but he's compact. He's thick. I I don't want to get hit by that guy, either by a body check or by his fist. Uh, No, thank you. But he he smokes this kid. And uh, it appears to shake shake up Gormley a bit. And Watier steps in for his teammate, but he's clearly overmatched by Gallant. Watte does a good job of not getting hit, and Gallant gets the jersey over Watte's head and lands a left uppercut that sets him off. He continues to throw punches and eventually has to be tackled by the linesman. And I mean Watte and not Gallant. Um, you know, like I said, Watte is another guy. I looked at his stats. Doesn't seem to have a ton of fights. Doesn't seem to have a ton of penalty minutes. But again, he stepped in for his teammate, and uh, and I got to give the guy credit there. And, uh, you know, nothing but nothing but full marks for him taking on Gallant. These guys who don't fight, it's got to suck when you're the closest guy. When Brecalant does something that you don't agree with, takes advantage of one of your teammates, and you're the closest guy to him, it's got to be like, oh, God, I got to take this guy on. And, uh, you know, Watte was kind of mellow. He was doing his thing. And then when uh, Gallant landed that uppercut, oh, that pissed him off. And uh, like I said, he had to be tackled. So they each get five minutes for fighting. Watte received an instigator and two misconducts. Gallant received a checking to the head minor. And a misconduct. Now, I don't. It's not that uh, I had the ability to watch this on, you know, my TV with a with a feed like, uh, you know, here in New York, it's on MSG, um, you know, or watch NHL Network where you got ten replays. Uh, just watching the hit over and over again. I don't think he hit him in the head, and I definitely it definitely wasn't intentional. 
to hit him in the head. Um, and sometimes it makes me laugh when you hear people go, oh, we should have let up or should have did this or should have did that. I don't think people understand how fast these guys are going. And, uh, I mean, Gallant, he hit this guy hard, but I don't know why he received a checking to the head uh, penalty. I, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. Officials have a tough job. But, again, I don't know. But he got the two minutes for that. And, um, you know, whatever. The fans were happy. They got to see Brett Gallant drop the gloves. We move on a week later. Uh, again, the Portland Pirates. Mark Lewis this time. Mark Lewis is a guy at the beginning of this year. He's playing over in Europe, and he, fuck, he knocked a guy clear out, like like clean, clean knockout. It was that was vicious, and um, I I'd sent it to uh, I think uh, Blair Riley. I think I sent the video too because they were teammates and they fought a bunch of times too, and. Um, I was like, damn. And he's like, wow. I mean, look, like he killed the guy. Lewis is a tough guy. And um, so this was a week later. I don't know if this had anything to do with the fight with uh, Watier. Uh, it could have been, you know, Lewis doing his job. Again, Watier doing his job, part of his job, which is the job of any good teammate, coming in to defend a teammate who you feel was wronged by the other team, even if you're outgunned. And Watier was severely outgunned in that fight. And now, so... I don't know, again, if this had anything to do with what happened the week earlier, but now Mark Lewis is a tough guy, so he's going to maybe go in and, and try to straighten out Gallant for what he did last week. I don't know. I don't know. I know nothing happened with Brett between uh, during that week. I don't know if they even played Portland, but this could be a callback to the, to the game the week before. So the puck drops, and a second or two later, so do the gloves as Gallant and Lewis square off. They lock up, and Gallant throws 16 rights to Lewis's one. Unfortunately, none do any damage, and many of Gallant's punches find Lewis's shoulder or his back. Uh, Lewis, was he's, he's a tough guy. He knows what he's doing, and uh, you know how to defend punches, too. And uh, he definitely had to do that in this fight because um, Gallant was just throwing him machine gun style. Uh, and again, you know, at the end of, the, at the end of that, uh, Gallant tries to unsuccessfully well, he tries to wrestle Lewis to the ice, and he's unsuccessful. And then the stripes come in, and they break him up. And like I said, I'm not sure if this has anything to do with what happened the week before. But, you know, two really tough guys there. They each get five minutes for fighting. And coincidentally, later in this season, Mark Lewis and Brett Gallant would be teammates as Lewis joined, joined Bridgeport for seven games uh, I don't know if he was released by Portland and uh, Bridgeport picked him up on a PTO, but um, Mark Lewis, he's part of the family. He played for uh, Bridgeport. And uh, like I said, him and Gallant were teammates. I wonder if they chatted about their fight. Hopefully one day I'll get to find out. Now this next fight, very interesting. Uh, to be honest, I think it sounds better than it actually was. It, there were some fun moments during this. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it was, it sounds better than it was, but this was at Hershey. I think they call it the giant center. Um, I'll, I'll always, I always have a fondness for the Hershey park arena. Uh, that old barn was wonderful. That was a great place to watch a game and talk about atmosphere. Oh my God. What a wonderful place to watch a game there. The Hershey park arena. Uh, I've, I haven't been to the, and I don't think, even think it's a new arena. I think the arena has been around now for a few years I, i've never been to the newer arena like i said i think it's called the giant center i've driven past it but 
Uh, I haven't been inside. I'm sure it's beautiful. Uh, so anyway, on uh, February 21st, 2015, Brett ends up fighting Connor Carrick. So what happens is they're, uh, they're in front of the net, and uh, Gallant throws several gloved punches at Carrick, who wants absolutely no part of Gallant. And again, I don't blame him. The teams are having words. There's just constant words being thrown back and forth that everyone, I guess, now would probably be all over social media, say, ooh, savage chirps. But uh, everyone's having words. Uh, Scott Mayfield is chatting with Chris Brown. Not that Chris Brown, not the woman beater Chris Brown, not the guy who beats on Rihanna and people still think he's a hero. I feel like we touched on that earlier, but not that Chris Brown. And as they're being led to the penalty box, uh, they're still having words. Mayfield goes in to the Bridgeport penalty box. He reaches to step inside the box. And just as it appears that Brown is going to get into the Hershey box, out of nowhere, here comes Brett Gallant like a flash. And he wants Bre he wants that Brown. He doesn't get him. The officials hold him off. But then all hell breaks loose. And Gallant is incensed. He's incensed. He has to be restrained by this official. Looked like he wanted to kill Brown. But now all hell breaks loose, like I said. There's now a six-on-six -six line brawl, including the goalies, and it does it. It's a wrestling match. They take one guy takes the other guy down to the ice. Not much happens there. They don't do anything. Uh they I don't know if they asked about training in the offseason or have to get their cardio up. I don't know, something goofy, but uh, nothing happened with the goalies. Mayfield leaves the penalty box. Um, he starts fighting. Uh, like I said, six-on-six six brawl ensues. Now, Gallant gets paired off with Carrick again. And again, Carrick doesn't want any part of it. And again, I don't blame him. But the funny part about this is while Gallant is paired off with Carrick, Liam O'Brien is maybe 20 feet away Looks like he's screaming at Brett Gallant. I guess he wanted Gallant to let go of Carrick and come challenge him. I guess it works both ways. You could say, well, sure, he could do that. Also, Liam O'Brien could have jumped in and, and you know, it's a it's a six-on-six. Six. It's a line brawl. Do what you got to do. And if you think Gallant is taking advantage of Carrick, maybe that's where you got to lose your shit. And instead of yelling, you got to step in and you got to maybe risk a suspension or risk, you know, getting thrown out of the game if you feel like your teammate's being taken advantage of. But, again, he's about 15, 20 feet away. They're jawing together. And Gallant has Carrick. He's got him, and he's throwing punches at Carrick while him and O'Brien are having words. He's literally looking at O'Brien while he's punching Carrick as almost as, as to taunt him, to say, I'm going to hit this guy. Come and get me. If you don't like it, come and get me. There was a couple of punches at Carrick all while he's looking at O'Brien. It's almost like, come on, come and get some. God, that sounds so lame. It really does sound so lame. But that's the look that he had on his face. He's like, I'm going to punch your teammate. What are you going to do about it, basically? And it, it's just a wild scene. And, uh, again, the crowd's on his feet. They're going crazy. And uh, as they're, uh, the, the camera follows uh, Gallant as he's going off the ice, he has words. It looks like he's he's – has it doesn't even look like he has words for the Hershey bench. I don't know who he's talking to actually. The um the Hershey announcer thinks he's has words for his own coach, but I don't if he has words for Brent Thompson, um I don't I don't think they're in the traditional sense when you say someone has words. They did say that um 
uh, Matt Karkner was having words with someone, and I, I don't know, maybe he was telling Karks about something. I have no idea because the way the camera is, you can't see. But the funny part is, as they're panning away, you see one of the linesmen, and he's got this big smile on his face. So, you know, for all you people out there that uh, think it's just rockheads like me that like this stuff, this is a guy that was just involved in trying to break up a six on six line brawl, and even he had a big smile on his face. So, it's not just knuckleheads like me, just so you know, okay? So amongst a plethora of penalties handed out to both teams, Gallant and Carrick each get five minutes for fighting. Gallant received an unsportsmanlike conduct, a misconduct, and a game misconduct, and Carrick received a game misconduct. I would imagine that all 12 guys were thrown out of the game. The video doesn't last that long, but... I guess I could have tried to find an article or a box score, but uh, this is a Brett Gallant-centric episode. I did not need to know that because I knew what happened to him. But it's definitely something that, again, compared to some of the stuff that I've seen in my life, really not that major of an incident. But in 2015, absolutely a major incident. In 2021, they're just going to have the cops down in the locker room looking like they're looking for the handsome brothers in the movie. So. Um, but it was a fun scene to watch. Definitely, uh, d- you know, look, I, I love Brett Gallant. I like, I love Scott Mayfield. So, so those guys always make the game fun. So now we are moving on to the end of February. February 28th, a week later. Happy birthday, Dean Ewan, February 28th. Of course, that'll be coming up in about 28 days, his birthday for this year. But February 28th, 2015. At the Springfield Civic Center, another place that I love. I love going to Springfield. Saw my first AHL game there, game six of the Calder Cup when the Indians beat the Americans. What an, what a game that was. Uh, Springfield Civic Center will always hold a place in my heart. Uh, and this is the rematch. Brett Gallant and Thomas Larkin, two. Not quite Rocky and Apollo, two, uh, because you need two to tango. So uh, Gallant definitely forces the issue here with Larkin in front of the Springfield net and really leaves Larkin no choice but to drop the gloves. Gallant throws several rights, but nothing of consequence lands. Larkin never really tries to mount any kind of offense, and they're eventually broken up. Gallant received a slashing minor, Larkin a cross-checking minor, and they both received five minutes for fighting. Again, Larkin really uh, really didn't want any part of it, and it, if I'm ever lucky enough to get Brett on the show, I would definitely ask him about uh, fighting Thomas Larkin twice. Like, I don't know if, uh, you know, you never know. Did Larkin, was he chirping stuff? Did he do something? Or did you just want to throw him around again? I don't know. But, uh, you know, it happens. You're not going to have a heavyweight on your on your uh, fight card every fight. And, uh, you know, we get Thomas Larkin, he's bigger than, uh, bigger than Brett anyway. But I would be curious to find out exactly what happened here that you'd, uh, you fight him twice in a season. We move on to March, March 1st, 2015. We are again in Bridgeport, and we are now in a game against the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. And Bobby Farnham, tough guy here. Um, Unfortunately, the cameraman gets to the fight late, gets there very late. And by the time the fight is in the frame, Gallant has Farnham down on his knees. The announcers say Gallant landed a few, but I can't verify that. He definitely, the aftermath of it certainly seems like he definitely had the advantage, but um, I guess you'd have to ask someone that was there, ask Brett Gallant, ask Bobby Farnham. They would know. Uh, I cannot 
I can neither confirm nor deny that Brett won the fight, but it certainly looked that way. Although, like I said, the, uh, the camera got there late, late. Now, another guy that has really has come up a few times in different interviews. And, uh, this is, uh, Brett's next opponent and his name is Mike Sadeo. And, um, he, I know I discussed him with uh, Yannick Turcott. Uh, I may have discussed him with Blair Riley. I may have discussed him with Mike Cornell. But he's a guy I didn't know that much about. And as I see him popping up in these fights, uh, he's really tough. And he's a guy, again, like Nielsen, that I would love to find a DVD on because uh, guys, guy throws with bad intentions and uh, seems like he's a pretty tough guy. Uh, he's fighting... He's fighting heavyweights. He's fighting guys that like to fight. So, um, and he, and he's in Binghamton at the time. And Binghamton is another team like Bridgeport always had tough teams. So he's just part of a long lineage of, uh, of tough players there, but he's definitely a guy. I, I, I would definitely, uh, go down the rabbit hole to watch a bunch of his fights for sure. So this is March 28th, 2015. It's Brett Gallant and Mike Sadeo in Binghamton. I tell you, you should watch this fight. This is a good one. Uh, they drop the gloves in the buckets and square off at center ice. Gallant starts by throwing several wild right hands that don't connect, but he takes control of the fight by throwing right after right, and he landed several good shots. Sadeo fires back with the left, and now they're both throwing. Gallant throwing rights and Sadeo with the lefts. Sadeo lands a left right on the button, and down goes Gallant. Sadeo was split open in the fight, so they both did some damage to each other, and he heads to the uh, dressing room for repairs. They each get five minutes for fighting and an unsportsmanlike conduct, of course. But uh, Sadeo put him down. I mean, he. This is when you get guys this strong throwing these punches. Eventually, you're going to go down, and uh, and he landed one I, up until that punch. I, I had Gallant winning the fight. So, um, but Mike landed a solid shot, put Brett down, and uh, what can you say about that? Two tough guys. You're not going to win them all, and um, I, much respect. To, to both these guys. And uh, like I said, if anyone's listening that has some footage on Sadeo, I'd love to see more of it. We move on to April. April 6th, 2015. Again, at the Webster Bank Arena. This time the opponent, the Worcester Sharks. I so badly want to say Ice Cats. I'm always going to want to say Ice Cats. Now I want to say Railers. So I have to, I have to actually make myself say Sharks because... I don't, I, it's either going to be railers or ice cats, but anyway, this is the sharks. I don't know why I just said that, but, uh, Brett fights Taylor Doherty, a scrum ensues in front of the sharks net with several sound tigers converging on Taylor Doherty. This is actually funny. Unluckily enough for Doherty though, he ends up with Brett Gallant. Now Doherty's huge. He's huge. He's got six or seven inches on Brett Gallant. Doherty is listed at six, seven. And he's doing his best to keep Gallant away with his massive reach advantage. But as Darty throws a right that Gallant avoids, Brett lands a huge right that drops Darty. They each get five minutes for fighting. Gallant received an instigator misconduct and a game misconduct. Darty five for fighting and a slashing minor. Um, it's funny because uh, when that's happening, there's so much going on. I'm sure Darty, you know, didn't even have time to really see who's coming at him. But there were a few guys that were trying to get at him. And I'm sure Darty would have rather gone with anybody but Brett Gallant. And I'm sure the other Sound Tigers, once they saw Brett Gallant was in there, said, well, I'll let, we'll let him handle this. So uh, not a good, uh, a good ending for Darty, and uh, a very good showing for Brett on this one. Now, 
We are good. We are uh, approaching the home stretch here. Two fights left. A two-fight game on April 11th against Paul Biznasty Bissonette. You know him. You love him. I've never met Biz. I I don't know him from Adam. Um, I listen to uh, his show occasionally, especially when there's a guest on that I want. Um, I'll say this about, about, uh, Paul, he seems like a really good guy. Uh, he really does. And, uh, I don't know him, but even in, in these fights here after the fight, both times he's, he's talking to Brett and everything. He, he just, he seems like a good guy. And, um, I'm really happy for all the success he's having. Anybody that does the job, does this enforcer job that is successful after the fact, I am really happy for, uh, and obviously I'm sure most people, if not everybody listening, you're fully aware of how successful uh, Paul Bissonette has become and uh, more power to him. And uh, like I said, I don't know him. He seems like a great guy. So, uh, But on uh, April 11, 2015, he was the enemy. So Paul Bissonette, skating for the Manchester Monarchs in Bridgeport, manages to end up fighting Brett Gallant twice. So let's go round one. Gallant and Bissonette square off at the Monarchs blue line and they start throwing. Uh, Bissonette gets Gallant's helmet off and pulls the front of front of Gallant's jersey over his head. They're both still throwing and Bissonette lands a punch that puts Gallant down. It's got to be tough to fight when you can't see and uh, you just end up throwing. So I guess the thing is, I think uh, I think it was Scott Parker that said it in the Ice Guardians where he grabs a guy by by the jersey you know, under, I guess the middle of his chest or not necessarily the middle of his chest, but you know, where the collar is in the middle. And, uh, this way he goes, even if I can't see, I know my fist is there. I know where his head is, which is great on the offensive, but I guess if you can't see now you got to worry about getting hit. And I think that's what happened here where, uh, Brett had the Jersey pulled over his head, couldn't see. And, uh, Bissonette landed a good one, put him down. But again, this is what I'm saying about Bissonette. He seems, seems like a good guy. Like as soon as, you know, Brett got right up and it just seems like he's just you know, probably saying y'all good and everything like that. And yeah, it seems like a good guy. So, um, so that was round one later in the game. We have round two, uh, they, everybody's lined up for the faceoff. And prior to the drop of the puck, uh, Bissonette and Gallant decide that round two is necessary. Puck drops. They square off. They start throwing rights at each other. Gallant knocks Bissonette's helmet off with a punch. Then it just becomes a who can land the bomb contest. Each throw some big rights that land. Bissonette lands a shot that drops Gallant to a knee momentarily. But I think it was more the force and momentum of the blow. I don't actually think the punch landed flush. I think it might have been more of not a clothesline per se but the the maybe he hit him with the forearm and i think it was the the momentum and the force that actually put brett down got right back up uh and they continued throwing until they're eventually broken up by the linesman they each get five minutes for fighting and the game misconduct for a second fight so that brings us to the end of brett gallant's 2014-15 season with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Now I know with uh, some of the seasons episodes I've done with guys on the Islanders, they've been a little more detailed. And I think that's because um, those are games that I was recording off the TV. Uh, I had access to pregame shows. I had access to postgame shows. Um, They went a little more in depth where um, for some of these uh, seasons episodes that I do with the, the minor league guys, 
Um, the only thing I have access to is the actual fight footage and I can research articles, but if nothing's written about or nothing is accessible online from that season, I really don't have anything else to go on except the footage. So these episodes end up being a little bit shorter than say when I did the season, uh, Eric Cairns season with the Islanders, the season that I did on him, uh, especially that season, because you had all the stuff with, um, Sandy McCarthy and the, and the whole Ranger nonsense, uh, that in and of itself, you know, could be an episode, uh, what, uh, happened that season with Karen's and the Rangers. Uh, but you know, so I apologize in that respect where I, I really, I feel great when I do these seasons episodes of minor league guys, but I'm also limited into the material that I have for them. So I can't make them as detailed as, um, an episode with a, a guy that's up with the Islanders, like I said, where I have in between period interviews, I have uh, pregame stuff, postgame stuff. Uh, they may do features on them that uh, I just don't have access to with a lot of these guys in the minors. So I hope that I did uh, the 2014 15 Brett Gallant season justice. Um, he had a wonderful season. Uh, like I said, he's, he really is. I think if you ask any of his teammates that played with him in Bridgeport, he's the ultimate warrior. This guy's tough. And I am really, like I said, I'm so fucking happy that he was able to play four games here on the island. He definitely deserved them. And um, it's unfortunate. I guess he's retired. Uh, I don't see him on any roster for this year. Uh, brother Alex, I think he's still going. I think he, he's definitely the younger brother. And I think they had an older brother who may have played junior. I don't know if he went past junior, uh, but I think there's three of them. And I think Brett's the middle brother. Uh, Alex and I have had uh, conversations uh, through uh, DMs in the past. I don't think anything lately, but if you want to watch some real tough guys, you want to watch some good fights, just put in Alex Gallant, Brett Gallant on YouTube or go to you know hockeyfights.com. Just watch these guys fight. Fuck, they are tough. So again, I hope I did Brett season justice. Brett, if you are listening, I hope that I did your season justice. And like I said in the intro, I have heard that Brett Gallant does not do podcasts. He does not really do a lot of interviews. If there is any way I can sway you, Mr. Gallant, to come on my show, I would love to have you here. I think uh, I think we would knock it out of the park talking about your entire career. I think it would be a great episode. I'd be honored to have you. And uh, just reach out to me. I know we follow each other on a couple of platforms here on social media, and uh, I'd love to have the opportunity to bring your career to my listeners and uh, go really in depth with you. But if not, like I said, I hope this 2014-15 Brett Gallant Seasons in Review episode has uh, quenched your thirst for all things Brett Gallant, and uh, maybe it'll make you go watch some of his fights on YouTube or online. But absolute warrior Brett Gallant thank you for everything you did for the Islander organization uh in Bridgeport and the games you had up here uh always worth the price of admission so there you go for Brett Gallant now people you people cross your fingers please and say a prayer because the guest that I am hoping to bring you next Monday. And I'm saying hoping that I am not counting my chickens because I have jinxed myself numerous times since I started this show. But if it happens, next Monday will definitely be a part one. Uh, 
because I can absolutely 100% uh, see to the future that this will at least be a two-parter and it could be a three-parter. This guy has so much stuff that I want to ask him about. His resume is insane. Uh, (laughs) What You'll know. You'll know. I have a big smile on my face right now. And um, if I'm able to bring part one to you next Monday, you'll know exactly why I have a big smile on my face. And, uh, you know, please keep your fingers crossed for me that this happens. I can't wait to talk to this guy. Uh, He's been a friend for a while. And, uh, man, oh, man, just the opportunity to interview him is going to be fucking great. So no jinxes, no hints. If uh, if I if something happens and I can't chat with them, I'll do my best to bring you something else. But let's hope I don't have to figure that out. Everybody, you people, have a great week. Be safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.